0: Coming to you from somewhere in sanctuary, this is episode 362 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. This episode is called Finally Immortal. It is June 3rd, 2022, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off, um, since this is June, I want to say happy Pride Month to everybody that's into that. And uh, as a reminder, you don't necessarily have to be part of the LGBTQ plus to celebrate Pride. Anyone can go to a Pride Fest, so it's very welcoming in a lot of ways uh, on that note, as I mentioned, I think in the previous episode of Shattered Soulstone, we now have merch on my Redbubble and um, it's the Shattered Soulstone logo with the pride flag colors over it. So if you want one of those and to, I don't know, wear to a, a pride fest or something like that, you can get it and everything I talk about today, as always, will be in the show notes at shattered soulstone.com so you can check everything out and look at it again or whatever but there's definitely that um, in addition uh, there's been two gaming companies uh, since the last show that are being supportive of people One of them is BioWare. So BioWare uh, wrote a tweet that says this, BioWare supports trans rights, women's rights, and bodily autonomy. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are a cornerstone for our studio and games. We don't consider these human rights up for debate. And it says Gary McKay, BioWare general manager. So that's coming from one of the top people in BioWare, which is always good to hear. It's nice to know which companies are welcoming so you know who you want to support and who maybe you don't you know like last episode I think it was was it EA I think that didn't want to be supportive whenever Uh, Respawn also posted a tweet And it says, at Respawn, we strive to be inclusive in the games we create and how we treat our employees and our players. Inaction is a choice and hurts those we care for. So I'm pretty sure it was EA that was like, we're just not going to let people talk about that. Um, I might... Uh, maybe I should make sure I'm right about that. But you can go to the last, the previous episode at show notes and find that. In addition, they've got uh, Respawn has a picture here or a piece of artwork with a lot of different characters. I have no idea who these characters are. And then underneath it says Pride is the opposite of shame, it's about being proud of who you are. We stand with transgender members of our community, our colleagues, partners, families, friends, and players facing discrimination and attempts to curtail their autonomy. Trans rights are human rights. So this is another supportive company. And I think that's important because I believe that companies that are gaming companies that are, you know, being supportive of. People who are trans, especially now in the United States and possibly other countries where a lot of people who are trans are having a lot of their rights restricted in terrible parts of the United States that should not be restricted. You know, healthcare is a human right. Trans people need healthcare too, you know, that kind of thing. I think this is really good because it's showing a company that does actually care. I don't think that these two that I mentioned on this show just now are doing it for clout or for popularity, or whatever, because I think everybody behind you know this statement from these companies, these statements from these companies, knows there's going to be pushback from really mean people as a, res- as a result, and they may lose some of those people who won't play their games anymore, and honestly, that's probably a good thing. I mean, who wants haters in their group, you know? I mean, it's just... I would like to live in a world where people can support people who are trans, people who are LGBTQ+, and not have to have a bunch of hate thrown at them as a result of being supportive of a group that's marginalized in it. anyway. Um But yeah, so there's a couple more companies. If I find more during Pride Month, I will put them into the show. But these are just two that I found in the last week. So it's always good to know like who's got your back, you know. So then we have, since Bioware made the comment, uh, a better ABK tweeted a response they have quote tweeted the bioware thing that i just read to you and uh wrote this is what leadership looks like signed simple unequivocal support thank you bioware that's what they wrote so that's really nice in addition june is also api heritage month now you may remember that in the past blizzard entertainment's account of that name or blizzard underscore ent has been you know in the past they highlighted women during women's history month and so now they're highlighting people with api heritage during june so i'm just going to read to you a few people it's all people who work for blizzard and all of them are you know within that description of api heritage so walter kong is the overwatch franchise general manager and teresa custodio is chief of staff my Huang is the associate manager of Global Growth Strategy. Christy Um U M, I hope I pronounced that right. Is senior director at Global PR. And uh, Adam Fletcher, you may know as Pez Radar, is the senior manager community development in Diablo, which is awesome. And I know there's going to be more uh, as time goes on. I think they last time with the Women's History Month they were doing it like during the week and then didn't do it on the weekends necessarily but i mean maybe they'll follow that pattern but i think it's awesome to highlight a group of people that you could highlight at any time but it's especially meaningful when it is api heritage month so i think this is a good thing that blizzard's doing and i feel like this might be like employee run maybe or something like that you know it just feels like you see this stuff coming from blizzard entertainment you don't see this coming from activision it's it's specifically Blizzard, which is kind of interesting overall. And I hope they keep going throughout the month with these. Shifting gears here, there's an article here from Games Industry Biz and uh dot Biz actually. And if you may uh if you remember, if you've been listening to this show for a while, um there was a lawsuit from parents of a woman who was a victim of suicide and um they had a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard King, the whole in you know, the whole deal. Um the article title is Parents of Activision Suicide Victim Ask for a Lawsuit to be Dropped Family Requests Case They Filed with the Publisher Be Dismissed with Prejudice Now, Dismissed with Prejudice Means you can't bring that lawsuit Back, okay So there's a content warning label On this talking a little bit about sexual harassment And suicide and sexual abuse Just so you know If that is not something you can handle right now Skip ahead Maybe muted for a little while or something if that's not okay with you. Okay, so this is written by Daniel Pardis. The parents of a former Activision Blizzard employee have asked a California court to dismiss their case filed against the publisher over the death of their daughter. As reported by Axios, the request made May 6th asks for the entire action to be dismissed with prejudice so that it can't be refiled at a later date. The family sued Activision Blizzard back in March after it was reported that the employee took her own life during a company retreat. The filing alleged that the employee experienced sexual harassment at work which was a quote significant factor and quote leading to her death it also accuses the victim's former boss of concealing a sexual relationship he had engaged in with her from police investigating her death as well as covering up evidence of it the lawsuit filed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing also referenced harassment leading to the death of an employee but the victim was not identified in the suit filed last July that's almost a year ago. Activision Blizzard is still battling the lawsuit and its repercussions ahead of its annual meeting. The SOC Investment Group called for shareholders to not re-elect the company's leading directors, including CEO Bobby Kotek. I talked about that previously and there's a little bit more in there but that's the main idea now there's i've not seen anything that indicates why the parents wanted not only the lawsuit to be dropped but also to be dismissed with prejudice which means it's done no one can bring this particular case back to any court i don't know what happened i have no idea why the parents don't seem to have released that information anywhere but that's at least you know something to know about and In regards to all of the lawsuits against Activision Blizzard. Wired wrote this on June 1st. Video gaming got its first major union. Now what? Raven Software's vote to unionize its QA team is historic, but getting Activision Blizzard to actually listen will require a lot more work. It's May 23rd, and history is about to take place in Madison, Wisconsin. A group of game developers have gathered in person to await the results of a National Labor Relations Board election that will determine whether the quality assurance workers at Call of Duty developer Raven Software have the majority vote needed to unionize roughly two dozen employees under the behemoth known as Activision Blizzard. There's a quote here from Jessica Gonzalez, who a lot of these articles quoted because she's very knowledgeable about this stuff. Long story short, as I mentioned in the last episode of Shattered Soulstone, they did get their union. They won. Uh, The window for Activision Blizzard to challenge those votes closed on May 31st. Raven Software's election results are now official, cementing a historic win for unions in the video game industry. Game Workers Alliance, formed by Quality Assurance workers at the Wisconsin-based studio in collaboration with the country's largest communications and media union, Communication Workers of America, is the first to exist at a AAA developer. Raven's success is a fundamental shift, according to Code-CWA senior campaign lead Emma Kimena, one that signifies the industry is doing more than just acknowledging its worst habits. Quote, we're entering a new phase in organizing, says Kamena. Quote, we're actually making the change and doing it in the heart of corporate development. It does mention, this article mentions Vodeo Games that got their union quite some time ago, it feels like. It probably wasn't that long ago, but... You know that's how it goes um and it's talking about what led up to this um the sexual harassment scandals the walkouts the strikes these sort of things which i've mentioned several times in previous shows uh more in depth is that when they were new Yeah, so, uh, despite agitation from workers at Activision Blizzard, management has been unwilling to voluntarily recognize the union. The company attempted to get the election dismissed ahead of the vote and has challenged the validity of the unit, arguing that the election should require the entirety of its studio rather than the quality assurance department. And then there was a quote here from Activision Blizzard that is disrespectful to the, Dave, the Raven employees. Uh, Kamena says that while a smaller unit is an imperfect solution to the big picture of organizing, workers earning any semblance of power is a crucial step. Quote, even if we were to magically organize everybody, we have to get what we can. We have to start somewhere. Activision Blizzard did not respond to requests, uh, direct questions about working with the union. Okay, we are committed to doing what's best for the studio and all of our employees, and we are carefully considering next steps. Uh, someone with the last name Lou, uh, Kevin, Kelvin Lou, told Wired, it is up, its upcoming merger with Microsoft may make that a moot point. Head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, recently said the company will absolutely support an employees organization that's in place once the deal closes. Quote, we think it's a, a right of employees and something that can be part of a relationship between a company and a people who work at the company. So that's kind of important. And then we have Another one from IGN from the same day, uh, talking about uh, Phil Spencer. I think it was Phil Spencer that said it in the other one. Is this right? Did I get it right? Yeah, Phil Spencer, so head of Microsoft, or Xbox, head of Xbox, I think. Um, So there's another little short article from IGN. If you prefer that source, you can read that one. And then we have a post on the Microsoft website titled, Microsoft Adopts Principles for Employee Organizing and Engagement with Labor Organizations. So here's from this. As we approach the second quarter of the 21st century, wow, that's something to think about, um, the American economy continues to evolve. Our free market is being reshaped in part by changing public expectations about the nature of work and the responsibilities of corporations. Technology is contributing to these changes, and the tech sector itself is addressing a new facet that has long been important to the U.S. economy and American democracy, the right of workers to, to organize. They didn't say unionize; they said organize but it's kind of the same. Recent unionization campaigns across the country, including in the tech sector, have led us to conclude that inevitably, these issues will touch on more businesses, potentially including our own. This has encouraged us to think proactively about the best approach for our employees, shareholders, customers, and other stakeholders. Our employees will never need to organize to have a dialogue with Microsoft leaders. Now, when I read this the first time around, as I found it, That felt like a red flag, like, oh no, they're going to do the route that Activision Blizzard is doing, where it's like, well, you don't need a union, you can just talk to us, kind of thing. But that's not it at all, it turns out to continue, Uh, but we also recognize the workplace is changing, and that's why we are sharing principles to guide our approach with labor organizations. Today, we are announcing a new set of principles around employee organizing and how we will engage with our employees, labor organizations, and other important stakeholders in critical conversations around work. Two factors are guiding our thinking. First, while relationships with the labor organizations are not new to Microsoft, we know that we have a lot to learn. Many other industries have vastly more experience and knowledge than we do in recent months we've talked with and worked hard to learn from prominent labor business and academic leaders we have built on our company's own collaborative experiences with works councils and unions in other countries something I learned about myself in the 1990s who wrote this one is there a name on it Brad Smith, President and Vice Chair. That's who it is. But mostly we recognize that we have far more learning ahead of us than behind us. Second, we recognize that the right approach for Microsoft may be different from what will work best for others. Each industry and each company is unique. We approach these issues with the deep appreciation of the vital and innovative role our employees play in the development and adoption of new technologies. This depends on a shared economy culture that is grounded in a growth mindset focused on listening, learning, and evolving our approaches together especially on important issues in a rapidly changing world reflecting on these factors we believe microsoft's stakeholders will be best served with an open and constructive approach based on the following four principles we believe in the importance of listening to our employees concerns there's a description with that the next one is we recognize that employees have a legal right to choose whether to form or join a union That part I'll read to you. We respect this right and do not believe that our employees or the company's other stakeholders benefit by resisting lawful employee efforts to participate in protected activities, including forming or joining a union. So that's, they're going to allow, like, I think my interpretation of this is when the acquisition goes through and it becomes under Microsoft instead of under, you know, the way it is now, you know, Blizzard Activision King, they already Phil Spencer says they're going to they're going to support Raven's unionization. This could be once that shift happens, once that acquisition occurs, this could potentially allow all of the other workers in Activision Blizzard King to go ahead and make a union that Microsoft will honor. That's amazing. They've been pushing for this for a while, you know, and they're not getting very far with the current higher-ups on Activision Blizzard King. And uh, although I don't know what King does other than that diversity space thing, but um, anyway... So, I mean, this is like a good sign for everybody that works there that they might actually get to have, you know, to be part of a union. And unions provide a lot of protection. So I'm hoping they get it. The other two pieces from the Microsoft blog about what they're doing um, is, we are committed to creative and collaborative approaches with unions when employees wish to exercise their rights. And Microsoft is presented with a specific unionization proposal. What does that mean? It means this. In many instances, employee unionization proposals may open an opportunity for Microsoft to work with an existing union on agreed-upon processes for employees to exercise their rights through a private agreement. We are committed to collaborative approaches that will make it simpler rather than more difficult for our employees to make informed decisions and to exercise their legal right to choose whether to to form or join a union. That sounds pretty good, you know. And then the last one is, building on our global labor experiences, we are dedicated to maintaining a close relationship and shared partnership with all our employees, including those represented by a union. For several decades, Microsoft has collaborated closely with works councils across Europe, as well as several unions globally. We recognize that Microsoft's continued leadership and success will require that we continue to learn and adapt to a changing environment for labor relations in the years ahead. That's interesting. Because when the union, uh, the people that wanted to unionize that were part of uh, Raven before the unionization uh, vote happened, and, and they have a union now, but before that, Activision, Blizzard King, whoever made these decisions, uh, gave a bunch of people raises and uh, different, maybe even different positions and stuff like that in an effort to break up the group so that they couldn't uh, talk about unionizing as easily. But they left out those that were in Uh, interested in unionizing and here's microsoft going no we're going to totally support you for that and i just feel like the acquisition to microsoft is going to be like such like a much healthier place to work or work for than activision blizzard has been over the years and i'm hoping they get that really soon because i think it would be just the best choice for everybody a better ABK, um, who seems to be using like pride colors in the background of their little logo. They got a little heart with a bunch of other colors in there. Uh, you could pick them out if you know what the colors are for different uh, groups within LGBTQ. But um, they wrote this in response to Brad Smith, whose article I just read to you, and said, We, we look forward to working with you, and tagged him at, with his Twitter account, Brad Smith. Um, it's at Brad SMI. And then uh, tagged their own account and said, has some incredibly passionate and talented employees, and we're all very excited to see how Microsoft further supports them. Which is really neat. And then it continues with another tweet. With regards to Mr. Smith's comment, we would ask Quick who is, let's see if I can scroll over that and see the name, uh, Mikey Barra who is using a Blizzard uh, logo that has the current Pride merch stuff lettering coloration on there. Um, he is the president of uh, Blizzard Entertainment and also tagged someone that I don't know who it is. It's the this account when you scroll over, it has like a default emoji or a default avatar. So I don't know. But whoever that other person is and Rob Costich, not tagged to also affirm their respective studios commitment to ensure that workers are both heard and afforded the right to organize without interference in line with Microsoft's views. That's pretty cool, you know? And someone responds and says, quote, do not need to organize to have a dialogue, end quote. Sounds like corporate BS, talk to me. But being willing to actually accept unions is still a huge step up from the current company hoping for the best for you. And ABK says, we're always happy to engage in dialogue whenever it's offered. That said, organizing workers together ensures concerns can be addressed as a group, which is why we still advocate for unionization every day of the week. So I think, that's, I think that's moving in a good direction, finally, you know. And then we have the Washington Post, which, again, is not known as a gaming website. It doesn't typically uh, talk a lot about a particular game. It has talked about the shenanigans that have happened over the years and the lawsuits regarding Activision Blizzard King. But this one's specifically about Diablo Immortal. It was written on May 26th by Gene Park. The article is titled, Diablo Immortal aims to be a breakthrough hit for AAA mobile games. And it's got a uh, picture of Wyatt Chang and a picture of like the startup screen when you launch Diablo Immortal. Um, you get that whole like fiery thing, but these are in black and white because that's what the Washington Post wanted to do with those. Um, I'll read you a little bit of this. In 2018, longtime Blizzard game designer Wyatt Chang announced Diablo Immortal for mobile devices. A testy audience booed, displeased with the decision at the time to not release the game on PC. Do you guys not have phones? Chang, who is the game director on Immortal, shot back. The moment became immortalized in memes and mockery, much of which was rooted in failed execution audience expectations fans attending blizzcon 2018 were hoping for diablo 4 news but it also came from a lingering stigma around mobile games in the west where adoption of smartphones as a gaming platform has been slower than in the rest of the world since then diablo immortal has boosted its reputation as alpha and beta tests proved the game was a full-throated classic diablo experience it helped that blizzard decided to bring the game to pc that is a key point right there i remember watching the announcement figuring that we were going to just hear about hey the game's going to be out on this day or we're adding this or whatever and when they said uh, it was white chang and uh radar we're talking about it in the very short actually youtube uh video of it uh when it went live one of the things they mentioned was that they have decided to bring the game to pc and i did not expect that and so you know some of you are probably are probably already playing it on PC at this point. To continue, the Diablo series is one of the most influential in modern game design, popularizing gameplay loops that center acquiring randomized, quote, loot. It's, you don't have to quote loot. you know, It's just loot. Uh, to make your role-playing character more powerful, Diablo 2, which was recently remastered, cemented this loop, while Diablo 3, which Chang also worked on, streamlined, and evolved it. And it kind of goes on a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to read everything, because we kind of know some of this already. Uh, Chang's enthusiasm for the project was palpable in a recent interview. Quote, I do believe Diablo Immortal is going to change a lot of people's minds on what they think of as a mobile game, Chang told the Washington Post. That was one of our goals since the beginning. Let's elevate the standards for what people can expect from a mobile game. It goes on a little bit more. Um, You can read the rest. Again, everything will be in the show notes. But this this is the Washington Post talking about a mobile game, a Diablo mobile game. I mean, that's kind of a breakthrough right there and that's part of the title was Breakthrough in it. So I wonder if this sort of thing is going to be more common because typically, you know, when like Diablo 3, before it had actually had the Alpha or the Beta... There wasn't really any news on major websites like the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal or New York Times or whatever Mentioning any of this and now, you know, a lot of them do mention some stuff that's happening with gaming companies And now specifically on a brand new mobile game Which I never figured the Washington Post would write about a mobile game, you know? Here we are. It's kind of, it's kind of a big deal However, not everyone is um, going to be able to play this game, uh, as PC Gamer uh, wrote, uh, written by Andy Chalk, Diablo Immortal reportedly won't be released in Belgium or the Netherlands because of loot boxes. Both companies have laws against randomized loot boxes in games. So here's a little bit from that. Diablo Immortal arrives later this week on mobile devices and somewhat unexpectedly PC in an open beta that was revealed in April. And again, this was uh, written by Andy Chalk four days ago from the time that I'm recording this. Unless you live in Belgium or the Netherlands, that is, in which case you won't have access to the game, legitimately at least, the problem appears to be related to loot boxes and specifically laws against them in those countries. Dutch gaming site Tweakers, via Google Translate, reported a few days after Diablo Immortal pre-registration went live in the App Store and Google Play, it was disabled in Belgium and the Netherlands. An Activision Blizzard rep told the site that the removal was "quote related to the current operating condition for games in those countries, end quote. The matter was further clarified by a message shared on the Diablo Immortal subreddit purportedly from a, purported, I can't pronounce that word, from a Blizzard support agent, quote, unfortunately, players in the Netherlands and Belgium will not be able to install Diablo Immortal due to the country's gambling restrictions. It says, the loot boxes in the game are against the law in your country. So unless gambling restrictions change the game, uh, change, the game will not be released in the Netherlands and Belgium. The message also warns that it's illegal for citizens of Belgium and the Netherlands to download the game from a different country. Even if you don't get busted for your scoff law ways, you might get banned. Although, quote, in similar situations in the past where RNG loot boxes were against the law in certain countries, we did not ban any players for it, the rep added. It goes on a little bit from there. So that's kind of a bummer if you've been looking for this and you live in one of those two countries. Because, I mean, you know, you've been all hyped for this and now, well... You know, you can't play it um, because of the loot box thing. And there's, I don't have anything in my show notes about this, but if you've been on Twitter, you know that there's a lot of people that are responding to posts from the Diablo Immortal account or any of the developers that are working on it or people just saying, hey, I'm playing this, it's fun. That sort of thing. There's people that are really irate because they decided that this was Typically, okay, to back up a bit, there are a lot of mobile games that you can play on your phone or on your tablet that do include loot box type things. And some of them do it somewhat ethically where you don't necessarily hit a paywall and have to pay actual real world money to continue on to the next part of your game. Some of them have where you can, you know, it's an option. You can do it or you don't don't have to do it. Um, Is there a benefit to buying the loot boxes? It depends on the game itself and how that works. But um, I've played mobile games for quite some time. And some of them do offer like, hey, if you want to, you know, do this quicker, you can buy this kind of thing. And sometimes I've done it and sometimes I haven't, you know, whatever. But the concept seems to be that the grumpy people uh, believe that every mobile app is a gotcha game where you're going to be stuck buying things with real world money in order to make progress or uh you're going to be far behind the people who did pay real world money to get it and they're all angry about it and think it's you know bad i guess some of this started out before the game was launched I don't think all of those people who are crabby about it got into an alpha or you know that type of thing to even like see it. Maybe they weren't at the 2018 Blizzcon when you could play a little tiny version of the game that you know obviously wasn't complete at that point. But it's just kind of, you know, if you don't want to buy a loot box, don't buy a loot box. You're still going to be able to play the game. You're still going to be able to have fun, you know, that sort of thing. There was a launch trailer as you uh, may know and As I've mentioned in previous shows, every time there's a launch trailer for something new that Blizzard is doing, they do uh, they do a video, and the video includes an audio description. This is something they they did it for the Diablo Immortal launch trailer, (laughs) and that was on June 2nd that that went up. It's an audio description of it. Otherwise, it's the same, you know and. They did this for a couple of the Hearthstone ones. They did this for uh, one of the World of Warcraft ones lately. I love that they're doing this because it makes it so much more accessible to people that either can't see the video but can hear it described, you know, that kind of thing, or people that, you know, would rather, like read the description there's usually uh, words as, as well as audio in it that tells you what's going on and what you're seeing and what's happening and i think they're doing a fantastic job with this so i always try to point it out you know when they do it because i believe that accessibility is extremely important in gaming Moving on to some more of the Diablo Immortal stuff. On May 31st, uh, Blizzard launched, launched, uh, posted on the Diablo Immortal section of their stuff. Uh, Diablo Immortal, the story so far. This includes uh, a quote, well, quote, this includes a part in red with an asterisk that says this blog unapologetically contains spoilers for the Lord of Destruction. Okay, so if you haven't played through that and you're someone who does not want to hear any spoilers at all, I suggest you don't read this particular blog until you've finished with whatever part of Lord of Destruction you might be on, or if you haven't got there yet, you know, that kind of thing. But it's got some lore in here, so if you are new to the Diablo series, if Diablo Immortal is your first Diablo game, uh, you may want to know a little bit more about the characters and the world and the lore so this is a good one for that or if you know if you don't care about spoilers then you can just enjoy it and uh, some of it you might already know about on May 26th the Diablo Immortal uh, portion of the Blizzard stuff uh, wrote Diablo Immortal your roadmap to hell and so it's got Descriptions in here. I'll read a tiny little bit. Uh, Skarn, Lord of Damnation, has amassed his battle-hungry forces in anticipation of your near arrival to Sanctuary. Again, this was on uh, May 26th. With an ashen gaze and ghastly gesture, the Demon Lord utters, We are waiting for you. In just a few days, it will be up to you, noble adventurer, to scour Sanctuary's many locales in search of fragments from the Shattered Worldstone. Only then will you have a chance in hell of thwarting Scarn's nefarious plan. And here's some stuff you need to know about the launch schedules in there, which we already know. Uh, you are able to preload it for PC and... Um, Sort of access it in a similar way for if you were doing iOS or Android. You could do it that way, too. You can um, get that. And uh, there's a description in here of how, of how to enable cross-progression play. Uh, there's links to customer support. Frequently asked questions, which servers will be available for my region. And there's, they've got all of that. The um, North America West and North America East as well as Europe seem to have the most options for that. And there was a lot of interesting servers you could choose from, and I was hoping when I saw this post originally that I'd be able to pick which one. And so there's one called the Soulstones. And I'm like, well, that seems fitting. You know, Shattered Soulstone Podcast, the Soulstones. Yeah, let's go there. So I've started a character, a barbarian, on there. I think I'm at level 21. I've been trying to record my gameplay with... Uh, mixed issues um the first one recorded the audio of my voice and the video visible elements but not the sounds the second one um i recorded it in a different way and it picked up all of the in-game sounds but i had no way of putting my voice in it so i'm trying but um if you wanna play on the server that I'm on and other people may be joining, it's the Soulstones in NA West. I don't have a clan set up at the time of this recording. My Barbarian hit level like 21 or something like that fairly recently. So you have to have uh, be at least level 20 and have a whole bunch of gold. So I'm going to go in and grind some more later on. Probably sometime after I finish putting up the show notes for this show. And uh, we'll just take it from there and that way we'll definitely have a clan on that particular server. Westmarch Workshop is doing a different server and I'd have to look it up, but if you just, you know, check out Nineball or the Westmarch Workshop Twitter, you can find which one they're on. I think it's the Worldstone but I'm not sure um, about that. I might be wrong, but, you know, at least two of the Diablo podcasts that are still going are you know, picking a server and you know, if you want to Hang out with the host doing stuff. I mean, I guess it would be possible. So there's that. Yeah. Now, I, I put a tweet on the Shattered Soulstone Twitter account um, saying that, you know, the Soulstone seemed like a fitting place for the Shattered Soulstone community to make a clan. At the time, I thought that, you know, I also said it feels like a nice shout out to the for the podcast, which I know it wasn't really... But it'd be nice to think that. I mean, everything in those, all of those servers is little pieces of lore from various Diablo games or character names or locations and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting. Um, At the time I wrote it, clans are limited to 100 adventurers, but now I'm here in 150, so we'll just see. And again, the clan does not yet exist, but I'm hoping to get there soon. There's also been a lot of guides made for people who want to play Diablo Immortal. There's one that's done in Spanish from Diablo Next, and it's, uh, if you're looking for that, it's got a lot of tools for that. So it's Guide of Classes Diablo Immortal, so it's Guías de Clases in Diablo Immortal, um, and all of it's in Spanish, so you can follow along if Spanish is your first language, or if you just prefer it. Um, and some, I speak Spanish, I have been a little rusty, because I haven't had too many people speak it with lately, but um, I can read it still so I mean I could look at that and it's it might make more sense to me because of the way the the two English and Spanish are different and sometimes I process it better in Spanish so anyway it's a little more clear English oh, I've I've always thought that English language is tricky because you have words that could mean more than one thing and are spelled the same way and you don't really have that in Spanish so that's kind of what I'm thinking uh, MaxRoll has a bunch of stuff too. Uh, there's a tweet by them on uh, May 27th. Learn all about Diablo Immortal Heliquary raid boss attack patterns, skills, mechanics, strategy, rewards, combat rating with useful tips and tricks in our new category. Their new category is immortal.maxroll.gg. And you can find all that stuff there at MaxRoll. Again, everything will be in the show notes. Echo Gaming Diablo tweeted on May 31st as we embark on the official release of Diablo Immortal uh, at Nine Ball Gamer and Echo uh, hook up to share the story of Diablo Immortal with all of you ready to join us in Sanctuary. There's a YouTube video you can watch that has that. Also Echo Gaming um, uh, on May 29th tweeted the immortal podcast episode 25 is going live soon don't miss our special guest white chang candle uh discussing diablo immortal with echo and uh his co-host at scrappy academy and so i you can watch that too there is a video of it on youtube and also on twitch so you can take whichever one you prefer and there's some merch there is some Diablo merch. It's not Pride merch, uh, though that is probably still there somewhere. Might um, have to look for it. But uh, there's a lot of t-shirts here. So we have the Diablo Immortal Skeleton King t-shirt by Jinx. There's the Diablo Immortal Countess by Jinx. There's one with just the logo of Diablo Immortal. Not the one they had back in 2018 with like the fire behind it. This is just the logo. Uh, there's some, looks like prints, famed print, uh, framed prints that you can get of, uh, let's see, it looks like the Barbarian, the Demon Hunter, the Monk, the Crusader, the Sorceress, and the Necromancer. There's phone stuff, like if you want to swap out your phone case or stick something into that or whatever. There's um, Skeleton King, there's the logo with the fire underneath it, there's the, the Countess and all of the classes. You can still get the Lilith statue for $600 if you want to. Uh, There's a Diablo Immortal logo pin. Some like slides with just the logo on it. Okay. Uh, There is a Diablo 4 Barbarian red t-shirt. There's the framed print of the artwork that we were shown in pieces in the last... Well, the last three and the current seasons in Diablo 3 where you're seeing just parts of it. It's the whole piece. You can also get it as a canvas. Uh, there's some pins from you know blind packs. I'm not sure exactly what those all are. You know that kind of thing. There's a hoodie. It's a gaming desk mat. There's Blizzard Series 8 Platinum pin set. Fancy, fancy. Some other stuff. There's another Diablo. There's a Diablo 4 T-shirt. Lilith returns. Um, it's it's kind of cool. It really is. And then there's a hoodie that's got like a skull. That skull that the Lilith statue holds. So you know what I'm talking about. That sort of thing. A couple more t-shirts and hoodies. And if you didn't get uh, Book of Adria, a Diablo Bestiary, you can get that for, for through this. Unless they're out. And there's more. There's a whole bunch of stuff. You can get two of the Sin War books through there, but not the third, Apparently. So it's a bunch of stuff if you feel like, you know, that you want some of that. That's where to get it. And I think that's where I'm going to close out the show for now. So all of you can go back to playing Diablo Immortal again without having to listen to me while you're playing. And hopefully a lot of this stuff was useful or interesting. I'm just kind of amazed at the fact that it's really here. You know, (laughs) finally, Immortal. We can all play it now, unless you live in two countries that won't let you so yeah um so have a good time everybody with that and and uh maybe you could find me in in diablo immortal depending on when you play i am a night owl so i totally am playing when everybody else is asleep and sometimes my chronic illnesses make me not be able to play so we can try and i will absolutely let everybody know when i get the clan up it's going to be a bit and that's it so i'm going to close out the show You have been listening to episode 362 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website.